It's been a while since we've done one of these. I, it has. Whose fault is that? I mean, yeah, it's entirely my fault. Hey, vindication. <laughs> it was just winter anticipation. The podcast hibernates briefly. <laughs> ferments. <laughs> ferments. Think of all the extra flavour that you'll get in this podcast <laughs> because it's been ageing for a couple of months. I mean, I have completely forgotten anything that we had established prior to the hibernation, as it were. So. I mean, you've remembered the concept of the podcast. Yeah, something to do with films, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Tanley. And I'm Chris. Now, hang on. And I like films. And I don't watch them. What? So, I watch a film and Chris listens to me talk about it. Roll intro. I'm Tanley. And I'm Chris. And I like watching films. And I kind of don't. So I watch films and describe them to Chris with the vain hope that he might one day watch one and enjoy it. Good luck! So let's talk about today's film, which is a superhero film called Guardians. Of the Galaxy? No. Oh. Hang on, you've heard of a film? I've heard of a film. It's hard not to hear of the, the great Disney overlords Marvel cinematic universe. It's, it's sort of everywhere. Have you watched the film? No. Of course you're not. <laughs> of course not. So yeah, this is Guardians. It's a 2017 Russian film, but it's not to be confused with the 2017 French film, The Guardians. Oh, this is going to be a struggle. And The Guardians is about some French women looking after a family farm. Any superhero anything? No, just... No, just, just... agriculture. Nice. Nice. Okay. But we're not talking about The Guardians or The Guardians of the Galaxy. We're talking about Guardians. Okay, Guardian. I'm presuming Russian word for Guardians translated into English, or is it just called Guardians? I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it'll be... Ever the Russian. font of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, here's an interesting thing about this film, to bear in mind throughout all of this, I think. The budget of this film was 5.4 million US dollars. That's a lot. Or is that not a lot? That is not a lot. Okay. So 5.4 million. But compare that to the most recent Hollywood superhero release, Wonder Woman 1984, which mm -hmm. had a budget of 200 million dollars. Oh, that, okay. That is a lot. So Guardians isn't on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. But The Guardians got 93%. So I think we can, you know, take that as a, as a good indicator that Guardians is a good film. Um, I, I, there's a whole lot going on in that noise there's a whole lot going on in that leap <laughs> <laughs> also i mean just to point out how good a film this is guardians of the galaxy only got 92 percent on rotten tomatoes but the guardians got 93 percent <laughs> the guardians has got nothing to do with it i mean this is a good point the russian media network ria novosti placed guardians at the top of their list of the worst films of all time. Oh no, okay, so we're there. So we're looking more like, The Guardian's got 93% and Guardians has the extra 7% left over and that's it. <laughs> that's its review score. Okay, that's what I'm working from. I don't think it's a terrible film. I think it's pretty decent. Of course you wouldn't. Anyway, let's have a talk about it. Actually, we've got a secondhand cinema first. For the first time in the brief history of this podcast, we're looking at a film which is available through a mainstream streaming service here in the UK. Which one? Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. You can watch this film on Amazon Prime. So if you listen to this discussion and you want to watch the film, you can. Or alternatively, if you want a new experience of this podcast and you want to join me around this side of the table, having seen the film, describing it to someone that doesn't, then you could watch it beforehand. Because, you know, that might be fun. 
it's not your usual kind of four hour Hollywood superhero epic. It's a sleek 84 minutes. Oh, baby. So, yeah, maybe you'll want to watch it after this discussion. Maybe not. Either way, spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> I've never had to say that before. Pause now if you want to watch the film beforehand. <laughs> this is our first secondhand cinema spoiler alert. <laughs> maybe that needs a jingle. Oh, no. Here we go. It's jingle time. <laughs> so, into the film. Most superhero films kind of spend the first 40, 50 minutes establishing the setting, the protagonist, their background, how they got their powers, blah, 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 blah. Then they have to cram the actual story into the second half of the film. Guardians fixes this by doing all of that boring establishing stuff in a three-minute montage at the beginning. Efficient. So this montage has some grainy footage of explosions and warplanes, a clip of John F. Kennedy. So we kind of assume we're in the Cold War. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. We see some Russian newspapers. This is an English dub rather than subtitled. Okay. So I had to enlist the help of a Russian speaker to translate. So your mum then? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, her first response was, I'd have thought you'd have spotted the first headline is from the well-known Russian newspaper Pravda. Oh, of course. Yeah, just common knowledge. And, you know, another example of some of the ways I continually disappoint my parents. <laughs> So anyway, the first headline says genetics in service of the people giving everything for victory or something. Excellent. And then we get another one which has a drawing of a man in a vest with the headline Superman is a Soviet. Ooh. So then we're inside some secret underground base and we have some random pseudo-scientific drawings kind of flash past hinting at the, the superhuman powers of the main characters. Mm -hmm. We get the standard shots of some syringes, x-rays, surgical procedures random dials and meters moving there's a light bulb glowing and then a kind of brief teasing shot of each main character starting to use their powers now that montage is over the top of an original song that's written for the film which is this kind of big epic orchestral sounding vibe with female vocals over the top and it builds up through the montage it's really oh, it's quite effective the worst part about this is although i can absolutely imagine what you're trying to describe to me the only two things that come to my mind are like James Bond type thing or the opening to Metal Gear Solid 3, which, if you understand why I'm coming there, it just has the weirdest lyrics. So now I've just got like the idea of these Russians talking about tree frogs or something like that. Well, lyrically, oh, yeah, no. it's a bit inconsistent. It sounds very much like it could be a Bond song, mm. but it's very much like here are some lines that individually sound serviceable. Let's just put them all together. So one of the verses is, the game is on, the cards are dealt, my darling dreamer. How come you aren't around, you all have this glimmer? Villains got to shiver, you could make it if you're allowed. Though you'll have a price to pay, seems like finally it's time to play. It, that's, this is it, this is the new Snake Eater. Makes no I'm there. sense. I'm there. But by the last verse, the brass has come in, all the big percussions hammering away, it's really heroic. When your people are dying, you've got to fight, you've got to stand until the end. Do not surrender. When you see children crying and mothers begging for help, if you care, you are defenders. Oh, that's all right, that. I'm a little good. sad that they didn't use the word guardians, but you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. And then some big CGI chains shatter, a massive Soviet star monument explodes, and bang, title card, guardians. Guardians, yeah. Not defenders. but Not defenders. Fine. Speaking of music... I looked at the composer of this film's soundtrack and uh, it looks like the only other films he's written the music for are 
the Barkers colon Mind the Cats. What? Which is a film based on the popular long-running Russian children's animation about a cheerful family of dogs who in this film meet some cats. Oh no! And a feature-length cartoon called Horse Julius and Big Horse Racing. <laughs> so this was really their breakout breakout film, eh? Yeah, it really was. And I don't mean to alarm you, but uh, looking on IMDb, Horse Julius and Big Horse Racing has a higher score than this film. <laughs> Horse Julius and Big Horse Racing? Whilst we're on this tangent, actually, I was looking into the Barkers and... The first episode summary that came up reads like this. So the episode is called The Barker's Deal is Unclean. And this is the episode summary. A sharp croak of a crow, a cry of Lisa, crimson paint oozing through the grass, the mysterious disappearance of the sister, all is well as watering can, drushka and Rosina nail polish remover. That's been Google translated somewhere, hasn't it? Yeah, that's definitely a dodgy (laughs) translation. But also... That's a lot happening. By the way, these episodes are only five minutes long each. Five minutes? And all of that and happens. Got a murder that isn't a murder and... Oh, God, okay. And the watering can and nail polish remover and... Deal is unclean. So, anyway, back to the film. <laughs> a title card tells us we are at a Ministry of Defence top secret training ground. Mm-hmm. There's a guy in a suit talking to some Russian army generals about these artificial intelligence-powered military robots. They're about the size of a car. They walk on three kind of spider-type legs and they can move really quickly and they've got all these sorts of random weapons on them. Excellent. To start the demonstration, they blow up some abandoned cars in this field. Then the guy in the suit orders some tanks to drive towards the robots. He says he thought to simulate what might happen in actual combat, they would have a demonstration without any live firing. So what? The tanks drive around them and they go pew, 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 bang, you're dead. I I literally have no idea how that makes sense. Sure. Anyway, the little light on the sensor array of one of these robots turns from blue to red. Oh, no. The command console in the bunker shows the robots targeting the tanks. And a robotic voice says, activated. That's not what I expected. <laughs> no. And then the, the soldier that sat by the console just goes, oh, I didn't do it. As if he's in like a workplace sitcom <laughs> rather than <laughs> operating deadly next gen military hardware. But whatever. So the tanks are ordered to destroy the robots. The robots jump and roll out of the way and blow up the tanks, as well as a helicopter that turns up. And then they then blow up the bunker and everyone inside it. Uh, These are effective weapons, then. They are. And again, the budget, these robots, computer-generated, and all the explosions and stuff, look really good. And then our villain appears through the smoke, and now you see where they pulled the money for the robots from. Because this guy's wearing black cargo pants with knee pads. (laughs) <laughs> and he's naked from the waist up. I say naked. He has an awful like rubber muscle suit on. Oh, okay. Which you can kind of see crease at times when he bends in certain directions. <laughs> and he's got like random tubes coming out of the back of his head and going into his arms and stuff. He looks really dodgy. Do we get a name? Uh, no. Oh. One of the shots is from behind and we see all the robots and the explosions and stuff. And that shot, I reckon, is just entirely computer generated. And he looks pretty good from the back when he's computer generated. <laughs> but when we go back to him from the front in his dodgy muscle suit, not great. That's a backhanded compliment for a man, isn't it? It's as if you want Tom Hardy as Bane in whatever Batman film that is. 
but you can't afford any form of costume or to pay an actor to work out at all. So you end up with this flappy tube covered knee pad wearing bloke in a cheap muscle suit. You know, he's not a million miles away from those novelty aprons you get with like ripped male torsos (laughs) on. So let's call this guy Budget Bane. (laughs) Budget Bane. We now get a title card that tells us we're in present day Moscow. Okay. But that must be a mistake because that last scene with the robots has to have been present day as well. Why are you telling us it's the present day? I don't know. Is there any time jankery in this film? No. Oh, so it's just... There's the montage that's in the Cold War and then there's this. And I even did a bit of uh, investigation to prove that that first scene with the robots can't have been during the Cold War because one of the cars that gets blown up is a Daewoo and Daewoo wasn't founded until 1972. Then if you look at the design of the Daewoo logo on that car, that means it has to be after 1982. And then if you look at the format of the Russian car registration plate, that means it has to be after 1994. So it's definitely not Cold War era. And yes, I was very pleased with myself for doing all that. I can hear it. I can see it in your face. I can hear it in your voice. Well done, Tanley. You did it. Thanks. So in this Ministry of Defence, we've got this general telling some other army officers about an old secret Soviet experimental genetic research program called Patriot. There was a scientist called August Kuratov who became obsessed with his invention called Module 1, which would let the user control any motorised vehicle. I'm really impressed that despite this being a... I I get that it's an English double or Russian film, but what you are describing to me sounds indistinguishable from every generic American superhero action film. But his department got shut down, his research was cancelled, whilst his rival scientist, Viktor Dobin-Rabov, was very successful with his superhuman tests and was much more appreciated by their superiors. So Kuratov stole Dobin-Rabov's research, blew up the laboratory, but he survived the explosion because some chemicals altered his genetic body structure, giving him unbelievable strength. And we know all of this because this general tells us it in a three-minute speech of pure exposition. Beautiful. Just dump that plot right on the floor. And we get like little flashbacks and we see that Kuratov becomes Budget Bane. Okay, makes sense. So apparently he got his module one to work, which is why and how he took control of those spider tank robot things. Mm -hmm. So their only option of stopping him is to find the humans that were experimented on and given superhuman abilities back then. And apparently they don't age either for some reason. So that then they can defeat Budget Bane. All right, sure. That seems like a reasonable response. Hmm. So Budget Bane turns up at this big, for some reason, completely unguarded military warehouse and controls loads of forklifts to load like weapons into trucks, which then drive themselves out. Two of the officers from the briefing are in some secret subway train, taking them to the Patriot headquarters. (laughs) These two officers are general exposition from before. I thought that was his actual name for a second. (laughs) That would have been dangerous. And we also have a woman who looks like a kind of sleek, sexy Russian Emma Thompson. Okay, I'm with you. And they spend the entire 28-second train journey just awkwardly looking up at one another and then facing forward. And then the other one looks at the other one and looks forward. I thought it was a setup for one being an undercover baddie and some cool fight was going to happen in the subway train. But no. They just look at each other a lot and then get out of the train and walk into the headquarters. Tension. It's tension. Fine. And they get into the headquarters. It's your standard underground top secret government science and or technology facility. That really shouldn't be a standard thing. 
but I know exactly what you mean as well. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, yeah, just classic boxes and metal doors. And... Yeah, like random server cabinets and people looking at holographic <laughs> computer screens. <laughs> Actually, it's weird that all the servers are just in these cabinets along the wall rather than in a separate server room. Server rooms hadn't been invented by present-day Moscow, you see. <laughs> um, so they didn't know where to put them. So sexy Russian Emma Thompson reports back to general exposition what he just told her off camera. You know, the classic. <laughs> <laughs> they were there for 28 seconds in the train. You could have done it there. Yeah. So she's got two weeks to search the Soviet world to find and assemble a team of superhumans to defeat a supervillain. That is the mission, says general exposition. I have one question, says sexy Russian Emma Thompson. What's the name of my mission? Camera dramatically pans up to general exposition. Cut to black. Title card. Guardians. Again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why this film has two title cards, but I don't care. Sometimes you just got to establish. Because you have, I mean, the obvious place to put that title card. What's the name of my mission? Guardians. (laughs) So... Sexy Russian Emma Thompson tells this room full of... You have got to find a different name for her because that takes way too many syllables, man. So Sexy Russian Emma Thompson tells this room full of sexy Russian data analysts... Oh, come on. (laughs) ...to check the entire database for reports of unusual occurrences. Check all 39 kilobytes. (laughs) So they shout out random weird news reports, including someone who thinks they've got talking plants, but that's irrelevant. A little Shop of Horrors reference there. So that intel takes us to a monastery in the hills of Armenia and knelt down at the altar praying is a sort of sexy Russian Antonio Banderas' dad. (laughs) I mean, you're asking a lot of me to remember all these different actors anyway. (laughs) Sexy Russian Emma Thompson was one person. I don't know. I've no idea who data analyst is. Um, (laughs) And Antonio Banderas surely isn't Russian. No, his dad probably isn't either. So he goes outside and sexy Russian Emma Thompson turns up. Oh, my God. And she tells him that she's in charge of Project Patriot now. But you said Guardians. The title screen said Guardians. What's the name of my mission? Guardians. What's the name of my mission? It's Project Patriot. Yeah. Yeah, this is confusing. There's lots of things in this film that don't quite make sense plot wise. So the the mission was right. The mission is Guardians. The superhero team is probably going to be called Guardians. Right. But the operation that did all the research and that managed it all is Patriot. Right. Okay. So Guardians is a sub, is a mission within Project Patriot. Yes. Okay. And Guardians is not something that anyone in this film had heard before the title card came up. Okay. So, yeah, she says she's in charge of Patriot now. And sexy Russian Antonio Banderas' dad tries to scare off sexy Russian Emma Thompson by making all the rocks around her lift up into the air. Oh, classic telekinesis showdown. But when she tells him that Kuratov is still alive, he wants to take his revenge on him for the experiments he did on him or something. So we find out that this guy's name is Lernik, or Ler for short. That didn't get better. It's a bit weird because she calls him Lernik and he says, he died a long time ago. I'm Ler now. She says, come back. For revenge. He says, all of my enemies are dead. She says, Kuratov's alive. He says, I knew he was still alive. 
What? What? <laughs> anyway. 10 out of 10 writing. So, Lur, which is better than sexy Russian Antonio Banderas' dad, because it turns out that he's not Russian anyway, this guy. He is Armenian, and the actor's Armenian. Okay, nice. And also, this guy is now one of my idols. Of course, here we go. So, I really look up to people who've managed to combine successes in various completely unconnected areas. Because I feel like I'm that type of person as well. All right, yeah, like, just go out and call yourself a polymath there. Hello, no, my name but... is Tanley Clark, the <coughs> Renaissance man. <laughs> no, but that trying to find which direction you should go in and not knowing where your life's going and what direction. But then seeing people that manage to tie various unrelated things together gives you hope that someone that is jack of all trades can be successful as well as people that are masters of one. Well, isn't the whole point of the jack of all trades statement that like the second half of the statement is actually really positive about being jack of all trades? It's just that we shorten it to jack of all trades, master of none, without the second part of that kind of proverb. What is the second part? I don't know, but well, <laughs> <laughs> like, don't ask me to remember it. But it's something like better than blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. I, I'm relatively sure Jack of All Trades is not meant to be entirely negative. I'll take that. And people that embody that, I look up to. So, for example, Victoria Corin Mitchell, I'm a big fan of. She's a successful broadcaster, writer, columnist, as well as a professional poker player. She was the first woman to ever win a professional poker tournament. I know who you're talking about. Or Paul Sinner, the Sinner man from The Chase. He came 11th in the 2018 World Quizzing Championships. He won the 2019 British Quiz Championships, but he's also a qualified GP and a brilliant stand-up comedian. Okay. People okay. like this, I really... It's a kind of occupational existence that has, has fallen out of favour in modern times. Hmm. Anyway, back to this Armenian guy. So he started off by working his way up in the police. This is the actor we're talking about. Obviously, yeah. He ended up as a national agency criminal investigator oh, at the age of 23. That sounds pretty sick. Yeah. He then decided to leave the police, moved to France, and started a nine-year career in law. Okay. Related, but sure. Then he joined a theatre company and became an actor. Classic. Oh, and he's a three-time national karate champion. Of course. I love this guy. The karate kid of Armenia. Yeah. So we jumped to a desert in Kazakhstan, and we see this guy pull out the most ridiculous pair of semicircular swords. Okay, yeah. Oh, like, really? Like, like shimitar type? Yeah, yeah. It's like, if I'm I'm miming this, it's... That's a big... That's a, that's a half crescent. Yeah. Like a sickle. So if you, if you held both of them together, you could make them into a, just a circle. Is it meant to be sort of the, the sickle, hammer and sickle type thing? Is there a bit Maybe. of Soviet imagery in there? Or is it just a big, big spinny sword? I think it's a big spinny sword. All right, That's sure. probably something to do with aerodynamics, because he's super speed okay. kind of guy. All right, sure. He kind of looks like a sexy Russian Nigel Ung. Why is everyone sexy in Russian? Because it's a sexy Russian film. <laughs> but the Armenian guy wasn't Russian, but he was still a sexy Russian. He looks like a sexy Russian. And I didn't know he wasn't Russian. And before I knew he wasn't Russian, he was sexy Russian. He looked like Antonio Banderas' dad. A man we established was... earlier is not Russian. Yeah, he looks like Antonio Banderas' dad if he was Russian and sexy. I'm blinking a lot. I'm not understanding a lot. I'm going to let you continue. So he looks like a, a sexy Russian Nigel Ung. Who? The guy that portrays uncle roger oh, okay 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 okay. but again we turns out this guy isn't russian he's kazakhstani that would make sense in kazakhstan and he started off working in a bank anyway i digress <laughs> so there are four land rovers filled with angry mobsters or something and they've got big machine guns mounted on top of 
the roof of the oh, Land yeah. Rovers. The classic. Two hands, like, digga, 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 yeah, 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 I'm with you, I'm with you. So we see sexy Kazakhstani Nigel Ung's eyes turn white and time slows down. There's this really nice shot of this butterfly really slowly kind of flapping its wings in the foreground with him blurred out in the background. Didn't we have a thing before in a previous podcast where you really enjoyed the CGI of a butterfly? It was a fly. It was a fly. My bad. That was in episode two. That was chocolate. Is it better than that? Yes. Wow, really? Yeah. The CGI is better quality, but I think I was more impressed by the fly because of its. it doesn't draw attention to itself. Oh, I see. Someone has clearly spent a lot of time on this small piece of craft that isn't drawing full attention. Yeah, whereas this butterfly is front and centre, foreground. Sure, draws sure. The eye. So, yeah, then time goes back to normal speed and he's super speeding himself around, just killing everyone. At one point, he just cuts a Land Rover in half down the middle. If you go really Pretty fast, cool. you can cut anything, right? Yeah. Science. Exactly. <laughs> and there's nothing to do with how he fits through the gap he's made. He slices the thing in half by going through the middle of it and then it falls in half. Like, how did he fit through the middle of it if it hasn't? Anyway. That, it's, a, it's an ancient Japanese samurai technique. You see, you, you, you just go through the thing, and then when you put your sword away, it falls apart in half. You've gone directly through the middle of it, but nobody needs to know how or why. It's a secret. And we then referenced episode one. I'm doing well. Yeah, very good. Hey, guys. Have you listened to episode one? Have you listened to episode two? Why not go back and listen to them? Anyway. <laughs> Then Lur just appears in this desert and says, let's go kill Kuratov. Oh, and we find out that this Kazakhstani guy is called Khan. Sure. Better than sexy Russian Nigel Lung. Yeah. So next we go to a forest in Siberia and there are a load of kind of hunters checking out this abandoned cabin. We hear a scream and two of these hunters fly out of the cabin, bursting through the wall and the ceiling. And then a massive half bear, half man bursts out and kills the other hunters. And then he sees Khan, Lur, and sexy Russian Emma Thompson. Mm-hmm. So this is our Hulk equivalent. Yeah. So we, we really are drawing the stereotypes here. We've got Jean Grey, except he's Armenian. We've got The Flash, except it's Khan. And now we've got the Hulk or the Thing, or, you know, depending on whether he can control how much bear and how much man he is. Yeah, basically. Oh, by the way... Khan's dialogue so far seems to be taken entirely from the inside of Fortune Cookies. <laughs> the first thing he says to this bear guy is, it is foolish to stand in the way of a deadly warrior. And earlier, when Lur turned up in the desert, the first thing Khan said to him was, in this world, sometimes even the good have to clench their fists. Anyway, this... <laughs> anyway, this bear guy is called Arsus. And then he turns into a normal... That's a bit on the nose. Wikipedia tells me that his name is Arseni and he's codenamed Arsus, but the film never says that. Thanks, I Wikipedia. I don't understand. So yeah, the bear guy's called Arsus. He turns into a normal human and he looks like a sexy Russian Chris Pratt. Okay. Yeah, sure. Next, we go into a circus in Moscow and we see someone that looks like a sexy Russian Jenna Coleman. Is there anybody who isn't sexy in this film? No. Actually, that's a lie. You did not describe Budget Bane and General Exposition was not described as sexy. No, those two are not sexy. But everyone else is both sexy and Russian. (laughs) Apart from the part where they're not Russian. Apart from the part where they're not Russian. Yeah. So, sexy Russian Jenna Coleman, she kind of jumps off this big platform into a big pool of water. 
And then once she's gone underwater, she kind of turns invisible and then she comes out of the water and gets covered in golden confetti and the crowd go absolutely wild and I don't know why. She jumps into a swimming pool, gets out and then some confetti falls on her. Is it a diving competition? No, it's a circus. Oh. Yeah, I know. So she's back in her dressing room and then she notices Khan behind her. She throws a vase and then a chair at him. He dodges. They fight for a bit. Khan kind of super speeds himself back out of the way. This woman clearly has no idea who Khan is. The first thing he says is, if I were to bring you flowers, would you treat me better? (laughs) So Lur appears as well. So sexy Russian Jenna Coleman fights him for a bit too. Oh, we find out her name is Ksenia. Okay, sure. Because sexy Russian Chris Pratt uh, asks us, appears and says how she hasn't changed in 40 years. I'd forgotten that they were the result of these experiments back in the 60s. You mentioned earlier that they don't age. So they don't so age. I just go in with it. Yeah, that's why they look like such sexy Russians. Yeah, because obviously people who don't age will always remain sexy. So yeah, they say if she goes with them, then she can help remember who she is and find out who turned her into what she is. Oh, so she's got a memory problem. Is that what's got going on here? Yeah, she doesn't really remember anything. Okay. So... Back to Budget Bane and his bulging muscle suit and flappy tubes. He's in some lab talking to himself handily, giving us the plot about a clone <laughs> army that he's making for himself. Excellent. Back at Patriot headquarters with sexy Russian Emma Thompson and sexy Russian Jenna Coleman, uh, Ksenia. And Ksenia's telling everyone how she's got no memories before 1978. That's a long time. And her only belongings were an engraved ring, which was the only reason she knew her name. Cue emotional look from Arsus. Of course. So she tells us her superpowers are that she can turn invisible when she's in water, which doesn't seem particularly helpful. Yeah, of all the ones we've seen so far, that that's pretty crap. Why do women always get shafted, man? Very good question. Also, she doesn't feel heat or cold. She can kind of control her body temperature or something. But not feeling heat or cold is not the same as being immune to heat or cold, because that's like, I'm on fire, but at least it doesn't hurt. I still have third degree burns, but... <laughs> You know, I think I didn't feel too hot while it was happening. Yeah, I think she's resistant to... Okay, all right. X percent resistance to fire. We yeah. can deal with that. And she makes great borscht. Yeah, great. Well done. Oh, wonderful. Oh, Jesus, man. Come on. Anyway, sexy Russian Emma Thompson convinces her to join the Guardians, and Ksenia thinks that maybe it will help her remember who she is. General Exposition walks in and tells the team that they've traced the GPS in some stolen tanks, so they've found Kuratov's base... And they need to attack while they have the element of surprise. I mean, it's that early in the film that I'm surprised, so... Mm. So they go off to this derelict industrial estate whilst sexy Russian Emma Thompson monitors from their base, but she immediately loses communication with them. Nice, good. We didn't want to deal with that anyway as a plot thread. Yeah, exactly. So there are loads of guards patrolling this estate, so the Guardians all wander off in different directions for some reason. Arthas turns into his half-bear. Khan pulls his stupid swords out. Lur just walks into a building and conveniently it's raining so Ksenia turns invisible. Does she have to like take her clothes off in order to be invisible so it touches her skin? No. I'm actually really impressed. Yeah, That's, me too. That was that sure that was going to be a thing. Because that's what every other film that has an invisible woman in it does. Yeah, the yeah, kind yeah. of awkward. Oh, let me just. Oh, don't look at me while I go invisible and strip because clothes are visible for some reason. Yeah, so she turns invisible and as she walks past the guards, the clone, this is the clone army that he's made. Mm. One of them notices the footsteps in the water or something. Yeah, classic. Switches to thermal vision. I don't know why that isn't just a thing. Especially if Kuratov knows what her powers are, surely. Yeah, but if her powers are like temperature regulation, surely thermal vision isn't that (laughs) useful either. I tell you what, 
She shows up in Thermal Vision. Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> so these guards shoot some random pipes. Which... What? And some stuff comes out of these pipes. And I assumed it was going to be like steam or something. Because that's what general pipes in abandoned industrial estates often have in these films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it must have been something like liquid nitrogen or something. Because it just freezes Ksenia into a, like a solid ice statue. Well, she's been bloody useless this entire yeah. time. But, you know, she's immune to cold. So at least she isn't dead. She's just frozen. <laughs> what, me? what a crap set of powers, man. I know. Oh, why would you even bother asking her to join the team? Maybe that's maybe the whole making great borscht was actually true because she can hold hot pans. Yeah, but without you know, hurting exist, her. mate. I mean, yeah. it's not like technology hasn't advanced in present day Moscow to allow humans to cook hot food. Yeah, I guess yeah. she can stick her fingering and taste it, but can use a spoon. Yeah, I mean, she is utterly useless. <laughs> I, I've noticed. <laughs> so Arsus is throwing guards around. Khan is slicing them up as well. Lur is kind of firing rocks at everyone. He's not just telekinetic. He's just rocks. Okay. <laughs> he's just, just to rocks, clarify man. that. He's just rocks. Have you ever seen the Avatar The Last Airbender film? The terrible one. It's abhorrent, <laughs> but somehow that's one of the 10 films I've seen. I've not seen it, but I've seen bits of it. So what you're saying again reminds <laughs> me of the, the earthbenders, you know, people who can mould the earth, chuck things around, you know, telekinesis, but with the ground. There's this wonderful scene where three of them do these huge obscene movements and like three pebbles go across the screen. <laughs> that's what I'm imagining right here. He's like, yeah, I'm this huge, powerful telekinetic man. Pebble, pebble, pebble. Rock, rock, rock. He, no, they're they're rocks like the size of a human head. A lot of oh, okay, moving. that's a bit. That's and a he bit and he moves, you know, like ten of them at once. Okay, lot, okay, so okay. It it looks pretty good. And then he kind of attracts a load of rocks towards him to give him armor and massive stone boxing gloves. Ah, oh, classics, classics. Pretty good. So then he kind of turns into the thing, in a way. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a good point. This action sequence is really good, actually. The super speed effects are brilliant. The CG bear looks fantastic. If you pause it. <laughs> but, and I'm not saying it looks terrible in it's motion. Weird in motion. But the animation is just it's just lacking a bit of heft. Mm. A bit. But on the whole, it still looks really good. I'm still really sad that sexy Russian Jenna Coleman yeah. is just frozen. Yeah. Absolute waste of space. All in all, 47 of these clone soldiers get taken out. Good counting. Excellent work. And then... There's one sneaky clone that's like hiding behind a wall and he fires a huge syringe of blue tranquilizer into Khan. So he passes out. Mm -hmm. And then Arsis gets some constricting net fired at him, <laughs> which kind of like deals with him. So it's just Lur left and he's dealt with all the clones that were attacking him. So Budget Bane, Kuratov, turns up to fight Lur himself. By the way... I don't think they were before, but Kuratov's nipples look like they're glowing orange in this scene. Is that just some strange power he's developed in the in the time? With glowing nipples, him. yeah, probably. Anyway, the rocks that Lur launches aren't enough to stop him. They just bounce off his muscle suit, and he throws Lur around a bit until, in homage to a very famous Batman comic, where actual Bane breaks Batman's back over his knee. Mm. Budget Bane lifts Lur above his head and slams him down onto his knee. It looks painful. It looks pretty cool. So we now go to inside Kuratov's lab. Arsus, Khan and Ksenia are imprisoned behind a force field or something. 
And it's at this point I realised that as well as her little black dress, Ksenia is wearing black knee pads as well. You've Why? got to protect your knees. It's important to protect your knees. More superheroes <laughs> should be wearing knee pads. That's ridiculous thing. Oh, I can turn invisible underwater and I, I'm immune to hot and cold. I'm surprised she doesn't carry need... around like water pistols so she can just like squirt <laughs> herself and be invisible. <laughs> like, you know, all the people with weird limitations on their power usually develop a specific workaround or is this where we're going to discover that her memory loss is related to her powers and she has somehow forgotten the useful half of her power no don't no come on that would have been a nice thing that would have been cool would have been doesn't happen god damn it (laughs) but i guess she hasn't fixed her powers because she's not a superhero before she was just she'd lost her memory she was just trying to get by in life Uh, ended up doing a crap dive into some water in a circus and be invisible underwater yeah when you can't really see people that well anyway (laughs) anyway kuratov in his knee pads talks about how they all used to be friends and arsis and ksenia have this big talk about how they'll never join him after everything he's done and then khan says death is far better than a favor to the enemy (laughs) okay then Arsus tries to stab the force field with a knife for some reason. Um, but he's a bear. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and Kuratov says they have 24 hours to decide whether they will join him or not, even though they've said they won't, and he told them that he doesn't need them anyway because he's made his clone army. Right, yeah, sure, sure. We then have some exposition through news reports. Clearly, general exposition was busy. So it turns out some satellite transmitter or something's been stolen. And a load of tanks and robot things uh, invading Moscow. And then one news report tells us there are some traffic jams, which doesn't seem particularly relevant <laughs> in the maybe, grand scale. Maybe they're just so used to this in <laughs> Russia at this point. It's just like, yeah, tanks on the road, super villain, and there's traffic on the A1. <laughs> <laughs> we get some shots. We get a lot of shots of tanks just running over cars, which does look pretty cool, actually. And then like wide shots of Moscow with buildings on fire and having been blown up or whatever. We see Kuratov overseeing all these helicopters flying around like a massive tower and these cranes and platforms being moved around. I found out that this is a tower that exists. It's the Ostankino Tower, which is a TV and radio mast, and it's the tallest freestanding structure in Europe. Okay. I'll leave that hanging there. Big tower. General Exposition turns up and he tells Kuratov that they had a deal and he gave Kuratov the Guardians, you know, so he wants his side of the deal in return. And... Kuratov just lifts him up by the throat and chokes him. Nice. We get the classic, you know when people are being strangled, you get the close-up of their feet dangling in midair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that shot is ruined by a pair of knee pads. (laughs) Maybe this is what they were there for. It's to stop people kicking you when you're holding them up, strangling them. Yeah. I'm I'm a fan of a good choke slam, so... Yeah, well, this is just a choke. That's fine. So the tower gets kind of broken off from the, the base of it and lowered down onto the... This plan of Kuratov's doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm. And even by the end, we have to have it exposited at us for us to understand (laughs) what's going on. So I didn't know if this tower was being put there, taken away, blown up, built. Mm. Something was happening with this tower. I didn't really understand what until I was told half an hour later. (laughs) Anyway... Back to the abandoned industrial estate. A sexy Russian Emma Thompson. I don't think we actually get a name for her. I might be wrong. 
I think you're very likely wrong. She's come to find out what happened. She finds Lur's unconscious body, takes him back to Patriot HQ. He wakes up and completely out of nowhere has this very emotional scene over some emotional music where he talks about how sad it is watching his daughter grow up and his grandchildren graduating and then them all getting old and dying and he's kind of crying and sexy Russian Emma Thompson is crying and then one of the sexy Russian data analysts walks in and says there's a professor here to see you or something. And by the way, musical update. Mm. I feel like that should be a regular segment with a jingle. <laughs> musical update. That's two jingles in one podcast. Mm. The emotional music in this scene features the haunting, melancholic sound of the duduk, which is a traditional Armenian instrument to match the fact that Lur is Armenian. I really like that touch. Surprisingly meaningful. Very clever. Somebody hire this person again. <laughs> Not just the big horse Julius. Or They've only had three jobs. Give him a fourth. Come on. So it turns out this random professor is Dobin Rabov, who we were told about oh, in right. the plot dump at the beginning. Yep, yep. And he knows where Kuratov's secret lab is which is where Arsus Khan and Ksenia will be being held, and he can help make Lur better from having his back broken or something. Yeah, sure, just put some rocks in it. So sexy Russian Emma Thompson takes some soldiers, kills the clone guards, finds them. Arsus, who it turns out is like a scientist or something. Always, Bruce Banner. Yeah. He says, oh, careful, it's a magnetic force field. There's a generator on the wall, you need to... Carefully remove the cover, disconnect the power source, but then just she pulls the gun out and just shoots it, and the force field disappears. That's a good joke. I like it's that. a good, yeah, yeah, it's fine. She then tells them about General Exposition betraying them, although she calls him General Dolgov, which doesn't feel right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time you've heard his name, and in my head, he was General Exposition. For the first time, Khan just walks off out of a scene in the middle of a conversation without saying a random fortune cookie line. <laughs> so I think they've just forgotten that <laughs> character trait. They didn't have enough fortune cookies. <laughs> Got to the end of they it. They had to and cut gone. one somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So back at Patriot HQ, sexy Russian Emma Thompson is chatting with Arsus, and when the silence is broken by a big string orchestra, we know some emoting is about to happen. He talks about how he's been watching over Ksenia for so long, keeping her safe, but now he's worried his transformations are getting harder. And when he returns to human form, he feels more like an animal. All right, Dr. Jekyll. Sexy Russian Emma Thompson says, some animals are better than people. She's clearly stolen Khan's fortune cookies. <laughs> That's where they literally transferred the line. But Arsus needs Dobin Rabov's help to find out how much longer his mind can cope with the transformation before he gets stuck as a bear or something. <laughs> the classic, the classic, help, I'm half human and half bear, and for some reason the non-human part is taking over again. So Dobin Rabov is studying one of these clones of Kuratov's. I assumed this was happening at Patriot HQ, but he's at Kuratov's lab, completely alone, this 80-year-old professor. Yeah, just chilling. So, obviously, Kuratov turns up and kills him with some generic poison gas. <laughs> yeah, that also seems like a reasonable solution. Yeah. Back at HQ, they've decrypted Kuratov's Module 2 plan. Oh, no. Which is, this is where we get told the plot, and I still didn't understand it. Right, I'm with you. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. He's going to take the Ostankino Tower, put that on top of the tallest skyscraper in Moscow, and use that as a giant antenna to transmit from the stolen... Soviet satellite transmitter thing to then connect with all the satellites around the Earth so that Kuratov will have control over every piece of technology in the world. 
right, I, I get it. I understand. Also, there's some old Soviet space laser. Yeah, it's from Command and Conquer Red Alert. Come on, man. <laughs> so, of course there's a space laser. We have a bear a space... man. Yeah. Now we know what his plan is. We don't do anything about it just yet because Khan needs to have his emotional moment with sexy Russian Emma Thompson on a rooftop somewhere. Okay, yeah, yeah. He talks about his older brother. He always looked up to him. He was great with swords and kung fu. And no one believed in Khan because he was always living in his brother's shadow, mm. which is why he agreed to be experimented on because it, you know, it caused him unimaginable pain, but it made him superhuman. Then he challenged his brother to a fair fight, but accidentally killed him. <laughs> yes. Hello, brother. <laughs> I challenge you to a fair fight. Me, a man of unimaginable superpowers. You, a mere human who's very good at things oh no you're dead come on <laughs> you want to challenge him to a fair fight maybe do it before the experiments <laughs> jeez what's the fortune cookie for that then so next in true superhero film style the team of sexy russian data analysts have designed special suits for the guardians oh that will enhance their powers mm. nice so Khan's is bulletproof and tranquilizer dart syringe proof. They make a point of telling him, which is a bit like rubbing salt in the wound. Yeah. And it's it's got a harpoon in it or something. Oh, great. <laughs> sure. Lurs has special rocks like attached to it. So he's always got rocks around. And also these <laughs> rocks kind of link together with electricity to turn into a whip. That's not how I expected that to go. No, it, it's not at all. Flexibility is not the power of the rock. I know, but if you combine it with the power of electricity... I know, but just... Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Give him a gun. Ksenia's lets her turn invisible at any time, not just underwater. But she's still useless. (laughs) How have they found a way to ensure that her crap power remains crap? (laughs) Yes, congratulations. You've successfully raised her to the level of a chameleon. (laughs) And they make a point of saying... It will turn invisible with her. But the random black dress she was wearing at the start turned invisible with her. Let's not worry about it. Fine. Also, anything she's holding turns invisible as well. All right. Yep. That's and almost useful. In almost predictable fashion, the sexy Russian data analyst that's holding the tablet that is saying, and you can make things turn invisible, the tablet vanishes. Yeah. And he goes, whoa, where, whoa. And then she appears behind him and goes, yeah, I got that bit. (laughs) Yeah, but you were holding it and you felt it leave your hands. Like, it went invisible. It didn't... It didn't disappear from existence. You felt it being yanked out (laughs) of your hand. But anyway, I think that bit's meant to be funny. She's crap, mate. She really is. Just get her out of the film. Absolutely useless. Just get her out of the film. So Arsus asks where his special suit is. The power of Bear was inside you all along. (laughs) And they show him a massive double Gatling gun turret backpack thing. Oh my god. (laughs) Which apparently it auto-targets when he's in full bear mode to shoot whoever his anger is directed towards. Because it's tapped into his neuro system or something. The power disparity between... (laughs) Congratulations. You are now more invisible. And <laughs> we figured that that best power was not enough. So we gave Bear two guns. They're massive The guns as well. shoot themselves. 
So Lo and Khan, they test their suits by beating up some cardboard cutouts and Xenia beats up some soldiers, which leads to some brilliant shots of stuntmen just throwing themselves to the floor, <laughs> which is really quite amusing. Arsus tests out his Gatling gun in half bear mode, which looks utterly ridiculous, but in the best way. It is so... I... It's, it's a human's legs, a bear's torso <laughs> holding a massive gun. And we have our kind of training montage finish with an excellent bit of classic superhero teamwork where Lur whips a cardboard cutout in half, then extends the whip out in front because he can control the rock against rock, gravity. Yeah, yeah. And Khan runs along the length of the whip, cuts another cardboard cutout in half. Xenia appears and throws a knife at another cutout. <laughs> and then... And then that that same cutout is just completely obliterated <laughs> by a bear with a massive gun. <laughs> like I get that like covert and stealth might be useful, but also at the same time, you're trying to sneak in a bear. I mean, just that moment where one cutout is hit by a, her throwing a knife and then completely torn to shreds by a bear with a gun. <laughs> it's like you even just at least have the, the bear shoot a different cutout. <laughs> yeah, or like make it really cool. Like she hits the cutout with a knife and the bear shoots through the cutout to another one behind it. Yeah, because like, that's not team. It's all teamwork apart from her that makes no difference to the outcome. Useless man. <sighs> so then they basically pose for the DVD cover. Yeah, nice. And then sexy Russian Emma Thompson smirks and says, perfect whilst flanked by all of her sexy Russian data analysts as if they're posing for their own publicity photo as well. Nice. There's a quick shot of some fighter jets flying towards the giant tower, but the spider tank robots shoot most of them down. The last one just flies straight into the force field that has been put up around it. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Back at Patriot HQ, they're describing the plot to us again. They've got an hour to destroy Module 2 before Kuratov has enough power to control the world and the space laser or something. Sure. Stakes. So they say they're going to attack him from four sides. Oh, that's roughly the amount of people they have. Unfortunately, one of those sides will not be attacked very efficiently. Even worse. Khan will drop down from above. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Lur will come up from the subway tunnels below. That makes sense, Rockman. And Ksenia and Arsus will come from the river. <laughs> now, I'm no mathematician. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's only three sides. <laughs> no, 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 you see, the bear has two guns. <laughs> and each one is its own side. <laughs> oh, God. I mean... Ksenia does not count. Anyway, they also need to get these special electronic card... They basically look like card readers, but they're like special keys that the clone guards have to let them get through the force field. Alright, yeah, find key card, get through the... Yeah, yeah. Then they need to destroy the module and then get out before a unit of massive missile launcher tank things bomb that whole bit of Moscow <laughs> for some reason. Just give it the V2. Yeah. <laughs> so the attack starts. Lur comes up through the ground of a car park and whips some guards. The whip's an interesting choice as the way they've made this weapon, right? Because the CG looks unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Because the momentum of the whip doesn't behave like a whip. But it... Okay, but, it, yeah. but his power is to move the rocks. Yeah. So it actually is probably acting more in line with the science they've set out. But it looks more unrealistic because of that choice. 
Yeah. It doesn't move like a whip. I just don't understand why it's a whip. I get, like, flexible rock structure weapon is, I guess, what they're mm. going for. But it could have just been a big hammer that you could manipulate. Yeah. But I guess he could make a big hammer out of rocks anyway. I guess, This yeah. is something different that they've given him that he can yeah. do. But he could just throw a rock at the guy and it probably hurt him just as much as the whip would. Yeah, probably. So, Arsus shoulder barges a car into some guards and then gets his Gatling gun out and shoots a load of more guards. Good job. At one point, some of the spider tank robots turn up with more guards and Arsus turns into a full bear and just rips them apart whilst his gun <laughs> just shoots. <laughs> just, why is it always a bear? Now, I know what you're thinking. No. You've got questions. No, I don't. <laughs> Do we get gratuitous slow motion shots of a half man, half bear shooting a huge Gatling gun while snarling? Yes. <laughs> Do we see a half man, half bear throw a guard 20 feet up in the air and then shoot him with a massive Gatling gun as he falls back down to ground? Yes. Do we see a sexy Russian Jenna Coleman riding a bear through an empty shopping mall? Yes. <laughs> Does a guard get killed by an electricity-powered rock that flies through six car windows? Yes, for some reason. What's the question I had that's the an- that the answer is no to, then? Has Khan turned up yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's still in the plane that's flying towards the tower. How is the plane slower than walking? And also, the other question, has Ksenia done anything yet? No, not no, really. No, I, I didn't need to ask that question because I know what the answer is. Let's compare these three currently fighting, right? In this four-minute scene, Lur kills seven guards, mm-hmm. Arsus kills 20 guards and two spider tanks, Xenia kills one guard by turning him invisible and then holding him like a human shield for the others to shoot at. Like the other guards shoot him as he slowly turns visible. Then she turns visible... And then kind of awkwardly shuffles backwards to hide behind a tank. <laughs> Why? Why does she, when she thinks she needs to retreat, she immediately turns visible? Well, I guess it's kind of smoke and mirrors, right? Because you, you turn visible, you go behind the tank, then you go invisible and you could be anywhere. But when she's just in open ground and they're just shooting at her, oh, I'd better stay visible. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Useless. Useless. Are you familiar with the mid-action calm lift scene? Where as a, like, everything's a l- like flying around, explosions everywhere, and there's just somebody riding an elevator up. Is that what you're going to sell? Me? Yeah, kind of. So uh, a lot no, of yeah, no. A lot of action films and superhero films do it. There's one in one of the Avengers films or Captain America or something where it kind of turns into a fight in the lift. But lots of action films have this kind of thing, and there's a really good one here where the lift doors open and Lurs stood there, and he kind of nods to Ksenia to join him in the lift. So she walks into the lift. Then a massive bear with a gun turret on its back walks into the lift, like pressing the other two up against the walls. And yes, there is some cheesy Russian lift music. (laughs) And here we have found why Tanley likes this film. (laughs) So they get onto the roof of this building and to get to the tower, they have to balance themselves along these cables which are holding it up or something whilst the guards are shooting at them. Lur makes use of his whip by... How to describe this? He kind of makes the whip go into a circle, so it makes it into a sort of electric shield. Yeah, sure. So that's quite cool. Khan's plane is finally in position after three moments in the last few scenes where he repeatedly tells the pilot that he needs to get closer. I guess it's just so we don't forget that Khan's involved in this sequence. Mm -hmm. He jumps out the back of the plane in slow motion with some epic orchestral superhero music. He free falls down towards the tower 
this looks incredible, by the way. He fires his little harpoon thing, which I'd forgotten he had up until this point. <laughs> he fires it at the tower, so he can kind of fly round the tower like a giant swing ball or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets his swords out, and he flies through the cable thing the guards are stood on, cutting it in half, and then he flies round, so they all mm. fall off. And he flies round and lands on one knee in classic superhero fashion next to the rest of the Guardians. The three-point landing. Yeah. The worst thing is, sending the guy with super speed from the sky is like making sure he can't use his powers until he lands. So it is the least of... Like, send the bear. The bear has ranged weapons. It can shoot multiple things. It just needs to get to the ground. Or invisible woman who no one can see. So whilst this is happening, sexy Russian Emma Thompson has gone to Kuratov's lab to find Dobin Rabov who it turns out isn't dead because he needs to tell us more of the plot. <laughs> yep, sure, sure. He's is he ter- dying? <sighs> no, he's. F- I think he's just fine. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> and he tells her that he's discovered the Guardians can transfer their power into each other. Oh, excellent. Does that mean that Invisible Girl's finally going to be useful? Not really. So this is why Kuratov was so scared of Lur compared to the others, because he thought that with enough power, Lur might be able to split the Earth in half. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, I see what it is. So it, it's like they enhance each other's already existing power rather than sharing different superpowers between them. Yeah. Okay. But concentrating that much power can be dangerous if it isn't controlled correctly. Yep, sure. So the Guardians, they find the generator for the force field. To deactivate it, they need to short-circuit it or something, but the heat would melt any metal. So Xenia kind of grabs it because she's immune to heat but, or something. Yeah, yeah, you did mention this, but I don't believe you. But she's not immune to electricity, so she kind of screams and collapses into Arsus's <laughs> arms. Get her out! All the sexy Russian data analysts immediately cheer, and this random holographic general says the missiles can now be launched. But then sexy Russian Emma Thompson walks in and says, but they need more time to get the Guardians out. Now, I'm not sure when this happened, but at this point I noticed sexy Russian Emma Thompson has changed out of her army uniform into black leather trousers and leather jacket. I presume reason. she was wearing leather the whole time. No, she was just in an army uniform. Okay. But now she walks in in black leather. Now she's like motorbike version. But I don't know, maybe they spilt something on her army uniform and <laughs> she had to do this scene like in whatever clothes she turned up in on the day. Uh, yeah, because that's all Russians wear. Yeah. I mean, if you're a sexy Russian Emma Thompson... Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? So the Guardians go up the tower, they confront Kuratov, but he breaks Arsus's massive gun, which makes Arsus fall over and pass out, which I don't quite understand. He catches Lur's stone whip, uses it to pull him towards him and just clotheslines him. Nice. pretty brutal. Khan just gets punched. And then Ksenia dodges Kuratov to go and help out Lur. The guy with super speed can't dodge a punch, but this useless invisible woman can just roll out of the way. Well, because with super speed, all he has to do is hold his fist out and he'll, he'll run into it. So it's like, oh, I'm being zippy, zippy, zippy. And then he just... No, but he stood still. Khan stood still and gets punched. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, fair. <laughs> but I mean, we established that Khan was rubbish before he got superpowers. So I guess he <laughs> continues to be rubbish. <laughs> it's not like he can suddenly fight effectively. It's just that he's really fast. Maybe. So, you know, they've all failed individually, so now they have to try and work together. Oh, yeah. Because that's how superhero films work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Xenia holds Lur to make him invisible as well. Yep. So he can lasso Kuratov in his whip. And just as Khan pulls his sword out to go and, like, kill Kuratov, Kuratov bursts free, throwing them all to the ground. Yep. Arsus tries to get up, 
but passes out again. I don't understand what's wrong with him. <laughs> He's a big bear. It's tiring. His gun just broke, but whatever. So Kuratov kind of walks menacingly towards Ksenia, who's on the ground. But this gives Arsus the incentive he needs to get up and transform into full bear. <laughs> he rears up on his hind legs, roars, looks terrifying, charges towards Kuratov. Kuratov just punches the bear in the face, which knocks him to the ground. Yeah, fair, 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 fair. Bit of an anticlimax. Cut back to Patriot HQ, and the holographic general finishes off the sentence he started in the scene that was two and a half minutes ago. <laughs> where he says that there's no time to wait and he orders the missile strike now. So sexy Russian Emma Thompson purposefully strides out and one of the sexy Russian data analysts slowly takes his Bluetooth earpiece off in despair. Mm -hmm. Back to the tower. Khan spots the transport plane that dropped him off flying back overhead. So he links his swords together and super speeds around all the guardians with his harpoon rope. So then he throws the swords to get lodged into the open cargo hold of the plane. So then they all get pulled off the tower as the plane's flying away. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuratov then just makes the plane crash. <laughs> He's the most effective person in this film. But not before Khan cuts the rope and they all fall safely into the river. Nice. Probably not the pilot, though. <laughs> well, I mean, but, irrelevant. Yeah. Dead. They get out of the river to be greeted by sexy Russian Emma Thompson, who's motorcycled there in her black leather. I, I knew there was a motorcycle involved. Just in time to see the missiles that were fired at Kuratov, he just diverted them up into the air to explode. Why didn't they know this was going to happen? His power is to control anything that's motorised or computerised, and they're firing, you know, targeted missiles at him. Why, yeah, why don't they just fire dumb missiles? Yeah, just artillery, a shell. Yeah. He can't move a shell. There's yeah. no propulsion system. It's just going to hit him. <laughs> yeah. We get to see the space laser moving into position and start to light up a bit. Mm -hmm. And sexy Russian Emma Thompson explains the plot to the Guardians about transferring the power into each other, but it might kill them. It doesn't, but yeah. <laughs> we don't have a choice. So Arsis Khan and Ksenia all put their hands on Lur's shoulders. There's some vague blue energy moving between them. They all start to shake and grimace and sweat profusely and scream as this big blue ball of energy builds up in Lur's hands until he releases it at the tower complex, which sets off this huge shockwave on impact, destroys the entire block. All these skyscrapers are falling over into each other. We see Kuratov fall off the tower shouting, No, you <laughs> cannot defeat me! <laughs> ah! Strangely, now he's horizontal. His neck seems to have completely disappeared into his muscle suit. But whatever. <laughs> but it looks pretty cool. And like the wide shot of the whole block being just destroyed looks really good. Mm. We get some more news reports telling us about the damage that was caused by a terrorist attack. And it was stopped by the Russian army who has some new secret weapon. And all the people whose homes were destroyed have been happily rehomed. No mention of the countless innocent civilians that were surely killed in this incident. But Dead, don't matter, gone. So, sexy Russian Emma Thompson and the Guardians are on a bridge overlooking the city, wearing normal clothes again. So they went back to the base to get changed out of their uniforms, and then came back into the city centre to stand on this bridge to have this, like, has, has, cute moment. Have days passed? Because you, you said there was there was a news report. So those news reports must have taken some time. I they suppose. had to get information out. I, I, uh, maybe. Surely some time has passed. I don't know why they've come back to this bridge to have this moment. Why did they just have this conversation back at the base? Scenery. Yeah. 
So sexy Russian Emma Thompson tells them, we all owe you our thanks. You are amazing, but not just because of your superpowers. You have helped me discover that dignity is achieved through friendship. And Khan responds, and discovering that can only happen with real friends like you. When did they have enough time to actually build a relationship in this film? Excellent question. Ksenia says she started remembering more about her life, including who gave her the ring. So Arsus looks at her emotionally. And then Ksenia just says, it's something to think about, isn't it? What? <laughs> Even useless in love. Yeah. So they decide to go back to their old boring lives because the world isn't ready for us yet. But just as they walk off, sexy Russian Emma Thompson says, wait, we found other guardians. Zoom in on her sexy Russian smirk with the Kremlin positioned nicely in the background. Cut to black credits. Do, 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 do. Guardians! Yeah, so that's Guardians. It sounds fun, if nothing else. Fun is exactly the word I'd use to describe it. It's probably not good, but it's fun. It's not a chore to watch. I think mainly it's just quite inconsistent. And that's probably just the budget. Yeah. Like some of the CGI looks great. Some of it looks a bit dodgy. Some of the plot's quite cool. Some of it, we have it explained three times. It still doesn't make sense. (laughs) For a film as short as it is, it seems weird that they have to rely so much on expository dialogue Mm. to get the point across. I'll tell you another thing about this plot. The guy that wrote the back of the DVD box doesn't understand the plot. (laughs) Because the last line of the description of the film is the superheroes gather to prevent a nuclear disaster that could destroy the world. That's not this film. A space laser could be considered nuclear, maybe? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> You're I'm trying clutching to help. straws. Yeah, so he doesn't understand it. But it's a shame, because all that time spent explaining this plot that doesn't make sense, make Kuratov's plan easier to understand, and then maybe all these unfulfilled storylines, like Arsus controlling the animal inside him, just got thrown away halfway through. You know, there's there's times where you see him doing blood tests on himself because he's a scientist to try and work <laughs> out what the effect is, but then no consequences, nothing happens. This whole Arsus Xenia relationship, you know, is it romantic? Are they brother and sister, maybe? It's something to think about. <laughs> 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 but we just have nothing. I mean, it's quite nice to have a, a big film without anything romantic happening in it at all. Mm. That's quite nice, actually. But that storyline was just built up and then just thrown away. So I don't know. There was a sequel planned. <laughs> okay, yeah, ambitious. Yeah, the sequel was planned before the first one even came out. And it was still going to happen even after the poor critical reception of the first film. And also six months later, the production company went bankrupt. These seem like things that would prevent a sequel from happening. But the sequel was still going to happen. The director like got a new production company. It was all going to happen. Jeez. But then I found an interview from a few months ago and the director said that Deadpool 2 ruined everything for the prospects of Guardians 2. And I have no idea how or why. I don't understand. Anyone that's seen Deadpool 2 that can find a reason why that would stop Guardians 2 being made, please tell me, because I don't know. Was this whole film meant to be a parody and we just never realised? No, it's a serious... Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not Deadpool. All right, yeah, I guess. That, that's a weird one. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. 
what's Deadpool 2 done, apart from having 2 in the name? Unless they nicked the storyline of Guardians 2 and put it in Deadpool 2. Maybe they nicked an actor. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's weird. That's very weird. It is very weird. You know, in all, I quite like seeing non-Hollywood superhero films. Because it seems like superhero films are such a Hollywood thing. That they're just, you know, you get action films from other parts Correct of the world. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is not the concept, almost the concept of the superhero, a kind of Hollywood, yeah. US-centric thing yeah, I think from so. comic books and whatnot, right? Yeah, I think that's safe. So th- that would explain sort of why that's remained their baby, in a sense. Yeah. So it is nice to see other countries making superhero films mm. in their own way. And yeah, it's fun. They're interesting characters, apart from Ksenia. They look cool, apart from Ksenia. There's some great action, apart from Ksenia. Is there any cross-media stuff? So is Guardians a completely original film-only thing, or is it a graphic novel series? Or It was completely original for the film, okay. and they subsequently brought out a comic and a novel. Okay. Kind of in the same universe with the characters. Yeah, so th- there was clearly an attempt to... Mm almost start the russian avengers here right yeah definitely the sequel was planned to have at least one of the original guardians die okay and ksenia hopefully (laughs) we can only dream (laughs) we can only dream and uh, maybe she you know made some borscht that was just too damn hot (laughs) her powers couldn't (laughs) handle it (laughs) and there was also going to be a chinese superhero was going to come into it and it was going to be done in combination with a chinese studio that almost sounds great yeah and then Deadpool 2 happened. Yeah. I, that's so weird. Yeah. But that aside, how do you feel about this group of heroes? As I said before, just in hearing you describe a lot of this stuff, the, the exaggerated nature of it, the the power set and things like that, nothing feels original in this film. And I don't know how intentional that is or not, but on top of nothing feeling original, it feels like nothing's really thought out either. Mm. Just like, we have... Earthbending Rockman. He does earthbending rock thing. All right. Uh, crap. We need to give him a power up. What should we do? Uh, whip. Give him a whip. Electric whip. So he can make a rock whip. Couldn't you just do that anyway? No, just give him a whip. Famously, electricity is the major ally of rock. Yeah, 100%, right? Everybody who's played <laughs> Pokemon definitely understands that. Um, and then you've got what? Bear Man. Yeah. So he's got the Hulk vibes, you know, scientist, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, all that kind of thing going on there. And, all right, okay, should we explore any of this losing your personality, living two lives type thing? No, give the bear a gun. To be fair, that's something that, you know, the Hulk or the Thing or any of the other, those other, they never got a massive gun. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So anybody who is that kind of primal barbarian archetype definitely needs a gun because that's always the problem they have. How do you hit the thing with range? Hulk just throws rocks. I mean, in fairness, that one is the one I have the least problem with. It's just bear man. Ksenia, why? Just, just get her out of the film. Literally useless. Complete waste of space. Arsus's thing with Ksenia could have been a side story. She didn't need to be a really useless hero. Or make her a useful hero. We've seen the invisible person archetype do useful things. Invisible woman can at least project fields of force. Create shields and stuff like that. Whereas Ksenia is just cold. And alright at Borsch. Is that... <laughs> Is that really what it looks like? Yeah. Oh, that's way better than I thought it was. Um, <laughs> Tanley's just shown me a picture of Arsus with a gun. You all need to search that. 
That's the full bear mode with a gun on his back. Oh, my days. Encroyable. <laughs> That's wonderful. Who was the other person? I've even forgotten. Khan. Khan. So I like Khan almost. I think Arsus is great. Like, it's a very tired superhero archetype. But a bear's different and the gun is cool. It serves a role. You need the beef. Let's make the beef a bear. That's very stereotypical in how everyone sees Russia. Yep. So whatever, it's fine. I think Lur is interesting because manipulating rocks in like Hollywood superhero canon is quite new. Uh, sure. And, you know, the whole being able to make objects out of rock is an interesting direction that could be taken in the future. And the whip is something different. So Lur, I don't have much problem with. Khan is interesting, I think, because in all the super speed type heroes in the past, they just have super speed. This guy has super speed and swords. <laughs> Again, it's the bear with a gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the Flash with two swords. Yeah, I mean, and which would honestly make Flash way more effective. Why have we never given him bladed weapons before? Yeah, it's a different spin. You know, when someone's got super speed and they can just punch someone fast. It's not as impressive as when they can just slice through something mm. immediately. So that's quite cool. My issue is Xenia. As should everybody's issue be. Because it's a blatant copy of Invisible Woman from the Fantastic Four. Mm. But with this weird underwater limitation. And Invisible Woman can also project force fields. Exactly. Xenia can't. Xenia doesn't do anything. And, you know, you could look at this film and go, oh, that's interesting. Russian sexy Emma Thompson is a badass woman character strong female lead interesting i can look up to that and she's a badass and then you've got ksenia who's just useless and it's like you've just undone all the you know sexy russian emma thompson could have been a man yeah i mean easily essentially what you described as the nick fury role from from the Avengers, yeah. right the kind of coordinator up in patriot hq again sounds straight out of metal gear solid great fine whatever hmm. they need a coordinator Let's make it a sexy Russian woman in black leather. Why not? Fine. But then why don't you give the female superhero something new? Or if it's not new, at least something cool. That is my big problem, right? The invisibility thing is always bad. It's just boring. Not just because the power itself is boring, but because you as the viewer don't get to really interact with it. Mm. Now, I probably, great from a budget standpoint, there is a fair amount of CGI in her going invisible because she doesn't just vanish. Sure, but once she's invisible, you don't need to film her. <laughs> like you said, great scenes of stuntmen just jumping around, right? That's a good point, yeah. So maybe that's actually part of the consideration there. From a storytelling point of view, it's just so passive. The other three can go out and attack people, whereas... You, you don't know, always need everybody to be an offensive power. But in this kind of story, where there's nothing for people that don't attack to do... Yes, that's the thing, that... There's a story that doesn't work for Ksenia. There's a set of powers that doesn't work for Ksenia. Like, what is this water limitation about? It's, <laughs> it's never explained. And it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. Like, they could have just made her, oh, she can just turn invisible all the time. And she could have still performed in a circus. Oh, and now you, you, know, you can turn objects invisible that you touch. It makes it make more sense rather than go, oh, it's raining. That's lucky. Because mm. I'm now not sat on this chair watching you guys. Mm. I walk a bit and immediately get turned into an ice statue because I'm useless. But whatever. You know, I have a lot of problems with invisibility as a power. At least uh, explore with how they make themselves invisible. Can she bend light? 
can she then bend that light in a way that like blinds people? You know, it's a supportive power. Can uh, whatever I don't know. I can help you with this because in the pseudo scientific drawings in the opening montage, there's a drawing of a woman, and then there's a drawing of a woman with a magnifying glass over the top of it, and the bit of the woman that's behind the magnifying glass you can't see. Great. Yeah, that's all the science you get. Casenia, <laughs> crap. That's that's it. I'm concluding on that crap. Waste yeah. of a slot. No one wants to be Ksenia. You're playing Guardians in the playground. Everyone's mm. divvying up the parts. You want to be Arcus. You want to be Khan. You want to be Lur. Crap, I guess you're Ksenia. <laughs> Not only is it hard to pretend to be invisible in the playground anyway, because everyone can see you. You're a real person. You can't turn invisible. But you're Ksenia. You're crap. Mm. You have to literally spend your entire playtime going around telling everyone, you can't see me. I'm invisible. You can't see me. What's interesting, in that first scene where we meet her, she, for some reason, is actually a better hand-to-hand fighter than any of the others. Yeah, so... Without any powers. That was explored briefly in the whole Khan can't dodge a punch, but Ksenia can, right? Yeah, and in that dressing room scene, she more than holds her own against Khan and Lur just by fighting. Yeah, so great, great stealthy agent type person. But then she doesn't ever fight anyone. Spy, (laughs) you know, great one-on-one combat if she gets in deep and does something useful. But never given a chance. Yeah. She's like Black Widow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was thinking too. Sexy Russian secret agent spy. Literally also Russian. But invisible. There's a question. Does sexy Russian Emma Thompson just look like Black Widow when she's wearing leathers? No, she looks a lot like Emma Thompson. You need to show me Emma Thompson because I don't know what Emma Thompson looks like. Because that's a person who's in films and that's a bad start for all of us. Okay, so that's Emma Thompson. So it, they're going for like the Q, the James Bond M, is that a name? Judy Dench. I mean, yeah, that's not quite the vibe, but yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like coordinator, I've just gone to equipment. search for a, for a picture, but I don't know her name apart from... Ugh, <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Okay, I see where you're going for. She really looks like she's straight out of Command and Conquer. She doesn't, she? <laughs> The army uniform makes it so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Commander. The one where they got Tim Burton. Do you mean Tim Curry? Tim Curry, yes. <laughs> that Going to is... the one place yes. that's not been corrupted by capitalism. Oh, uh, so good. <laughs> and you How... can just see him trying not to laugh. The How did whole they get time. him to do that? Big budget I... video game man. Oh, man. So, yeah, that was Guardians. We're back into the swing of things with this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, subscribe, review. You looked like you were going to say more. You said absolutely nothing else. YouTube is the like, comment, and subscribe. I presume podcast to subscribe, review. Tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Do the marketing for us. Please. Uh, if you do, we'll give you a shout out on the Twitter account. We are bad at it. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not particularly invested in this doing hugely well. I'm just enjoying the process. So. Yeah, true, true. So, yeah, I think you just should, and I'm talking to you, the listener, tell your friends. Share us on your social media platforms if you think this is worth listening to as you while away your day. How about you drop us a comment on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email. Remember, secondhandcinemapod at gmail.com or secondhand cinema on all social media platforms mm-hmm. why don't you tell us what you're doing whilst you're listening to us yeah let us know how things are 
Yeah. And, and maybe if something interesting comes up, we can discuss it in a future podcast. Yeah. We, we need something to do in the open. So um, Exactly. We've got to do something to pretend that we have things to talk about other than the film. Yeah. If, if Dave from Barnsley has been doing whatever Dave from Barnsley would be doing. Yeah. Bottle washing. That seems like a song that my dad used to sing. <laughs> Barnsley bottle washers. Now am I making that up? I think I've pulled a cultural reference from the North that you were not ready for. I think we should wrap this up. It's over. It's done. It's completely done. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Second hand cinema.